Welcome to a mini special from the British Broadcasting Century podcast. I'm Paul Carenza. Between our main seasons, we're offering something a little different. A short episode, and if you were expecting the parliamentary debates as promised, then they've been bumped to next time. I'm currently wrangling 20-odd voices who've kindly recorded the words of century-old MPs in a series of debates on broadcasting. It's all on the parliamentary record of Hansard. It's free to use. So next time, we'll be turning into the BBC Parliament channel, only in 1922, and they're actually discussing whether and how there should be a BBC. But particularly this episode, I wanted to shout from the rooftops about someone who we all should know more about. And when I say we all, I mean the internet, history books. Basically, I wish there were more about her. We mentioned her briefly two episodes ago, but I found out more. So I thought let's have a mini-sode heralding Gertrude Donisthorpe. Who? Technically, Britain's first DJ. And one of the world's first female broadcasters. There were a handful of other female radio hams from around 1910, like Mrs. Glass of San Jose, Olive Hartberg in New York, Gladys Parkin was one of the earliest and youngest to be granted a government license for radio. She made her own radio equipment and operated it in California in 1916. But back in England, Gertrude Donisthorpe was almost certainly the first lady of British broadcasting. Hear a little about her. Only a little, I'm afraid. Facts are slim. But we've got them here on the British Broadcasting Century. Hello, hello. This is Paul Carenza calling... This is London Calling. Hello, hello. Welcome. This is a short and swift guerrilla episode, I suppose. I'm editing the parliamentary debates at the moment. And in that episode, in the extras bit, I was going to hark back to a couple of episodes ago. The tale of Captain and Mrs Donisthorpe. So this is 1917. My first broadcast was from a bell tent in a field near Worcester. My part in this experiment was strictly unofficial. But I thought, no, let's make it an episode of its own. Because when I featured them on the Loose Ends episode, I didn't even know their first names. Captain and Mrs. They are footnotes in the history of broadcasting. They don't even make many of the books on the subject. Asa Briggs doesn't mention them. Arthur Burroughs doesn't either. Tim Wonder does, as does Brian Hennessy. And regular listeners will know that their books, 2MT Riddle and The Emergence of Broadcasting in Britain, are gold standards on the big bookshelf of broadcasting bountifulness. So Mrs Donisthorpe deserves an episode of her own. And it's been International Women's Day this week. And we know that historically, women in STEM subjects have been given rather a back seat, I think it's fair to say. So we have the chance for this bonus episode. I wanted to give Gertrude Donisthorpe a moment in the spotlight. It will only be brief apologies. We don't know lots about her, unfortunately. She wasn't quite the Annie Nightingale of her day. She had an audience of one, her husband. So I told you a bit about this broadcasting pioneer couple from 1917 on the Loose Ends episode, how the Donisthorpes would transmit across a Worcester field as an early radio test and then perform a few wireless concerts for local recruits. And I could just send you back two episodes for that background info, but you know what? Let's keep her story all in one place and then go a little bit deeper. So this is what we said previously. I sat on a sugar box in front of a transmitter, which would now be considered a museum piece. It had a bath of oil for cooling the one and only valve. At first, we simply had conversations between two stations about a mile apart. If I heard nothing, I would take my push bike and pedal to the other station, where I would often find that my husband had gone on his bike to my base by a different route. 
Still, we did quite often make contact over the wireless, and I suppose my husband got quite a lot of technical knowledge from these experiments. Later, we broadcast gramophone records and recitations to amuse the troops at training centres at Mulvern and Droitwich. That was also strictly unofficial. Now, those tests would usually happen at night time, as Captain Donisthorpe was training wireless operators for the military by day. So, yeah, it was him driving the experiments. But since that episode, yeah, I've been reading how Mrs Donisthorpe did most of the presenting, the speaking, while Captain Donisthorpe would listen in at a distance to see how it sounded. So she really had a major role in being one of the very first yeah, DJs because she was playing music, gramophone records, and announcing them just for her audience of one. This is three years before Peter Eckersley and Arthur Burroughs, who we featured in the first season of this podcast. Gertrude Donisthorpe is therefore Britain's first DJ. She had a test phrase that she would say over and over again to her husband. A wonderful bird is the pelican. Its beak can hold more than its belly can. One of the first factoids. There you go, Steve Wright. Yeah, last time we mentioned her, I did not know her first name. So I asked on Twitter, historians, I tweeted, what was her name? And my cry was answered by Dr Elizabeth Bruton, curator of technology and engineering at the Science Museum. She said that Gertrude Ann Donisthorpe, nay Andrews, was born 1895 and died not too long ago, relatively speaking, in 1980. In 1969, Gertrude Donisthorpe actually gave an interview to BBC Two on a TV programme about wireless before the days of broadcasting. It was called Yesterday's Witness, Breaking the Silence. Now, I don't have that footage, but hey, archivists, if you do, bear in mind broadcasts before 1971, I believe, are largely in the public domain. So legally, we could broadcast that on this podcast. If we could find footage of Gertrude, then this is the place you will hear it. Prior to that, Gertrude Donisthorpe broadcast on the Light programme, December the 13th, 1953. She was a contributor to These Radio Times, a happy history of every man's entertainment. Or every woman's entertainment. Beryl Reed and Max Bygraves were also on that show in 1953. Max Bygraves, as I've said before, was the performer who's almost exactly as old as the BBC. He was born a few weeks before the Beeb was in 1922. Now, as for her husband, Captain Donisthorpe, or to give his full name, are you ready? Captain Horace Sinjin de Elva Donisthorpe, what a name. He was one of those nearly ran radio pioneers before the BBC. For a spell during the Great War, three evenings a week, the couple put on experimental wireless concerts in England. After the war, as the BBC was nearly taking shape, Captain Donisthorpe was separately negotiating with a West End musical to broadcast its closing night, in a way similar to a phone subscription service at the time. You would pay to listen to live concerts via your home telephone, thanks to the Electrophone organisation. Donny Donisthorpe wanted to do this, but wirelessly essentially doing what the BBC would ultimately do within a couple of years. Donny's version never came to anything, unfortunately. In the middle of 1922, Donny wrote a pamphlet called Wireless at Home, Everybody's Guide to Receiving Wireless News, Concerts and Messages. I've just checked online, there are actually one or two copies of this pamphlet for about a tenner if you would like to get one. But this was a few months before the BBC launched, so there weren't a lot of wireless concerts to hear just yet. The BBC then launched rather leaving Captain Donisthorpe behind, he went off to work for Marconi's. He gave the occasional broadcast talk for the BBC in the late 1920s on wireless and the sea or the effect of an eclipse on radio transmission. He certainly knew his stuff. If history had gone another way, I think the Donisthorpes could have been part of the great names in the early BBC. 
Thank you, Dr. Elizabeth Bruton, for setting the record straight on Gertrude's name, just as Gertrude set the record straight and then played them 105 years ago. Now to an even earlier radio pioneer. Let's have some follow-up on Captain Round. Last episode, we featured Captain Round and his mammoth speech. Well done if you listened and award yourself 10 points if you understood more than half of it. Lots of lovely feedback from you good folks, and it was great to know that actually it didn't really matter that some of the terms were lost on you. A fascinating piece of archive, said one listener. Alan Pemberton got in touch, and he said, I've just listened, and I'm sitting here utterly discomnocorated. Here was the man who seems to have invented all the techniques that I struggled to get to grips with in the 60s for physics A-level and the radio amateurs exam, and he was just standing there reeling them all off like a shopping list. I've just looked him up in the Dictionary of Scientists, and he's not there, and neither is Alan Bloomline, who practically single-handedly got television on the air. Marconi is included, of course, and Ambrose Fleming, along with Edwin Armstrong, who featured in the talk. Even John Logie Baird has an entry for heaven's sake, he says. Basically, another intuitive bodger like Marconi. Controversial. Alan says, do please keep digging out these important names as you progress through the journey of broadcasting. And please have a special about Bloomline when you get to television in the 30s. And even in the 20s, arguably. And don't be scared, he says, about devoting all of that time to one difficult subject. Podcasters are made of sterner stuff than the average couch potato. I'm off for a lie down. Keep up the good work, Alan. Thank you, Alan. And actually, we've got a nice bonus anecdote as well. The story goes of a BBC memo circulated for comments. One recipient had written round objects against one of the proposals. A later reader had added another note. Who is this round and to what precisely does he object? Well, now we know. Thank you, Alan. He's also actually written us a glossary based on last time's episode. So if you listen to the previous episode about Captain Round, this glossary should help you through some of the more complex bits. Now, I've put that on our Facebook page and I will link to it in the show notes. And in fact, I'll go back and add it to the show notes of the previous episode as well. The Round Glossary. Thank you, Alan Pemberton, for making it for us. And thanks once again to David Jervis for sharing the recording of his grandfather for the previous episode. Well, that's it for now. I wish I had more for you on Gertrude Donisthorpe. Facts are a little sketchy. Just a short episode then ahead of the parliamentary debate that we'll have next time for you. There you will hear things like this, the first mention of the word broadcasting on the parliamentary record. April 3rd, 1922. Order! Order! Sir Douglas Newton! Is the Postmaster General prepared substantially to modify and relax at an early date the existing regulations restricting the use of wireless telephones? And will he sanction and promote the daily broadcasting by established and suitably equipped radio stations of wireless telephone messages, likely to prove of value to trade and industry in this country, or being of general public interest? The Postmaster General, Mr Calloway. I am entirely sympathetic towards the idea of utilising wireless telephony for the broadcasting of messages of the kind referred to by the Honourable Member. The Postmaster General and other MPs will follow up with more next time. But that's it for this mini-sode on the Worcester Woman, one of the world's first female broadcasters, and to her audience of one, Britain's first DJ. Gertrude Donisthorpe, do not forget her name. Somebody name an award after her. The British Broadcasting Century is presented and produced by me, Paul Carenza. Original music is composed by Will Farmer. Like Gertrude's radio audience, this is a one-man operation. 
We need your help to send our little audio offering far and wide. So do please subscribe, share, rate, review this podcast. You can tip us at paypal.me slash paulcarenza, or there are bonus features at patreon.com slash paulcarenza, all for the price of a few shillings. Your correspondence is welcome at paul at paulcarenza.com. And that's all in the show notes where you found this podcast. Be informed, educated, and entertained next time in Parliament on the British Broadcasting Century.